Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit. draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit Basketball! Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of the Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, back off of my hiatus, Mike Angolano, and joining me as always is Aaron Johnson. Aaron, how are you doing, buddy? How is the podcast with Jasper? Doing very good, Mike. The podcast went very well with Jasper. More on that coming soon, Um, but happy to be back. Happy to have you back with me this week. Uh, It just feels right. Wish I could have had you. I said it on the pod, but I wish I, I could have had you with me for that monumentous moment in Pistons history, uh, talking about how the lottery shook out in favor of Detroit. And obviously, it's not quieted down for the Pistons since then. There's a lot going on, draft-related, outside of the draft. There's stuff going on. So this is bound to be another great episode. I'm ready to get into it. And I'm ready to be a part of it. Yes, I, I missed the maybe the most important podcast we've had in maybe ever. I mean, I think there's a reasonable a, a reasonable take can be made that that was the most important podcast ever, and uh, I missed it. So, you know, no big deal. Um, we, we are going to talk a lot about the draft, a lot about some of the smokescreen-ness that's happening with who the Pistons are going to take. Uh, we will get into all of that and more, but of course, we wouldn't be probably doing this podcast as frequently um, if it wasn't for our lovely sponsor. And, and our first sponsor here is Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets. And most importantly, it's free to sign up. Head on over to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today. And you'll receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Let's get right into it. We have a lot of draft talk uh, to get to. And the really the only topic of note for the Pistons right now is that there's some rumblings from some credible NBA people, I won't say that they're the most well-connected, but some credible NBA insiders, that Jalen Green is very well-liked within the Pistons organization. And there is some consideration, reportedly, that the Pistons and Troy Weaver would be willing to take Green, and there's a possibility that they would trade back to take Jalen Green. There's a lot to unpack there, including his fit with the team and possible moves that could be made with another team. Houston and Cleveland are right behind them at two and three. 
I feel like this is just to drum up interest in a draft where it's pretty unanimous that the number one pick has been decided for many months. And I'd like to go back and look at other drafts like 2012 when Anthony Davis was very obvious, the number one pick and see what articles spawned around that. Or same thing with Zion Williamson. Was there a possibility that the Pelicans wouldn't pick him one just to do a little bit of revisionist history to see if any of that actually happened. But what do you make of multiple sources saying that Troy, Troy Weaver really likes Jalen Green and would consider trading back to take him? Yeah, a lot of this has come from The Athletic. Uh, this, at least to my knowledge, first came out uh, via James Edwards III, obviously the Detroit Pistons beat writer for The Athletic, and then along with Sam Vicheni, uh, and I probably just butchered his last name, even though I've listened to his podcast a million times, so that's pretty embarrassing. Um, <laughs> but just, it's it's it would be a, a, a real shame if Detroit came out of this draft without Cade Cunningham. And I really do like Jalen Green. He is a phenomenal scorer. He has many great qualities. He can shoot. He can get to the cup. He's got a really nice change of pace game. You know, he can just – he has some a very nice skill set on the offensive side of the floor. The ball handling package, the change of speed ability – the use of size, the athleticism that he has. Like, there are a lot of nice things that make him the offensive weapon that he is coming into this draft at 19 years old. No questions about it. He's going to be a good NBA player. He's just got the skill set to get some buckets. But you are talking about passing up on a six foot eight, seven foot wingspan guard that can go for 20, 10, and 10, like he's Luka Doncic. It's the player he's drawing comparisons to. And I I watched a lot of basketball on Saturday. I spent the day just watching hoops. I watched four Kate Cunningham games. I watched only, to be fair, I only watched two Jalen Green games. But just the way that Cunningham popped off the screen time after time, it was so much more enormous than green. And to be fair, I watched a game where he was like the no doubt number one guy. He probably already is, was the number one guy for them when Jonathan Kuminga wasn't hurt, but when he was hurt, green was absolutely the number one guy. And like, I watched, I watched him in that role. I watched Cade. I got, I watched Cade against Baylor. I watched him against Oklahoma. Like I watched him. We got some pretty good teams. And I just watched the way that he just got it going and he got it. He spent a lot of the first half, maybe getting opponent or getting teammates involved. And then the second half, it was just like, you could not stop him. The shots were falling from the outside. He was getting to that step back. He was hitting those mid range jumpers off the pull up. Like it was just all there. And this kid has just got so much talent. He had such a good season. He dragged an absolutely horrific Oklahoma State team through the tournament. I can't tell you how badly I wanted to gouge my eyes out when some of his teammates touched the ball. Avery Anderson. Oh my goodness. You're talking about these guys that just turn the ball over like it's their job. And that Oklahoma State team without Cade Cunningham would not have been a Division I basketball team. 
Uh, but Cade made them a legitimate. I mean, he he just he dragged them to wins. He got them to to the NCAA tournament. He won them games in the tournament. Like this is what he does. He elevates teams. He leads teams. He wins. There's just no doubt about it. This is a surefire pick. This is a safe pick. This is a guy that has all the skills you need to succeed in the NBA in today's landscape. Not to take away from how nice of a prospect Jalen Green is. If the Pistons were drafting two and we were talking about, oh, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, or Jalen Sugg, I would be saying definitely take Jalen Green. But when you have the number one pick, you have the ability to take a generational talent in Kate Cunningham. You have to do it. It's a no-brainer. Do you think that there is concern or general questions regarding the fit with Cunningham and Killian Hayes? I don't really understand the the fit questioning. Like, yeah, Cade plays on the ball, but hey, Cade also played a lot off the ball. Kind of like the Pistons, Oklahoma State had a lot of different ball handlers. They had Ice Likely, they had Avery Anderson. These guys that brought the ball up, helped initiate the offense. Sometimes, even though they should not have, ran ISOs. Like, they had different guys that played with high usage percentage and, and, and had the ball in their hands a lot. Cade played off the ball. He came off of screens. Like, he did other things. He's allowed to do that. Like, just because he's known as the 6'8 guard, like, doesn't mean he can't play and didn't play off the ball at all. And that's something that Killian Hayes, like, is going to have to do in the NBA. Like, he's going to have to be able to play off the ball a little bit. Like, he's going to be able to have to knock down some catch-and-shoot three-pointers and and things like that. Like, there's just no – I just don't get the whole fit thing. Like, you're talking about being able to pair two guards, super high IQ – great passing abilities that can become probably the best defensive backcourt in the NBA. And, and we're worried about fit when there really aren't fit issues. Like it's just a joke to me. I, I don't understand that whole qualm whatsoever. I, I, Kate is very capable of playing off the basketball. There are enough touches in the league in an NBA game that lasts 48 minutes for both those guys to work with the basketball there are going to be abilities to form your rotation around all oh, Killian's out there sometimes. And sometimes it's just Kate out there, but they're also just going to be able to play together. Like ball handlers can play with ball handlers. It's, it's, it's like kind of like Fred Van Fleet and Kyle Lowry. Now, obviously Fred Van Fleet is a very well-established guard off the move. You know, he doesn't have to be on the ball to be successful, but he's a point guard. And he's able to play, and he's able to initiate when he gets that opportunity. But he can also play off the ball. Like, it's just such a it, – it's comical to me that there's this debate about fit when you're talking about drafting a generational talent. Like, it – and I guess – and guess what? If it really is a fit issue, which it isn't, but if it really was, then trade Killian Hayes because Kate Cunningham is a star. You're talking about drafting the guy you build your team around. If there really was a fit issue, which there isn't, you would trade Killian Hayes. You're talking about getting a star. It's that simple. 
I think you're right. <clears throat> I don't think it's about fit. I continue to think it's just some way to drum up a story. I mean, obviously, we have a lot of time between now and the draft. We have to fill it with something. And it's entirely possible that Troy Weaver does like Jalen Green. I lose, I lose the feeling a little bit when we hear seriously considering drafting him. I don't think that the two necessarily need to be together. You can like a prospect a lot and know that you're not going to draft him or that you might not get him. And I think trading back for green would be too much galaxy brain for Troy Weaver. Just keep it simple and don't, don't try to be cute by moving back one, you know, one spot. I saw somebody on Twitter pose the question of number two and Christian Wood for one. And I'm thinking, I, what are we, what are we doing here? It's like, it's like working along the margins in the wrong way. And Cade Cunningham, like you said, is a talent that doesn't require, you know, all this preparation. You, you have the team, you get Cade Cunningham, you, you assemble your team around him. And I think you already have pretty darn good pieces around him. That would make a lot of sense between Bay and Stewart and Hayes next to him as another, another ball handler. It makes too much sense to trade him. I'm sorry, to not draft him. It is too galaxy brain to trade that pick. And with the, with the question of fit, I mean, most of these teams now, the high-end teams have two ball handlers. They have two playmakers at any point. It's what has been dragging the Cavaliers back, and it's why they are probably maybe going to move on from Sexton is they don't have two decent playmakers to keep the offense fresh and moving around. You need two, you need two ball handlers. You need two playmakers. And Cade and Killian can provide that while providing very good defense. And Cade can guard more than just point guards. He, he's long and tall. He can, he can cover a lot of ground. Jalen Green is a really good prospect, and he's who I hope the Cavs end up with at three. But it's just you're just doing too much. You're doing too much thinking if you're going so far as to move back one spot for Jalen Green. I mean, you have to be enamored with him. I think even if Cade suffers some sort of an injury, I think I think it's still Cade Cunningham one overall. If Kyrie Irving and James Harden can play together with also Kevin Durant on that team, I'm pretty sure you can figure it out with Killian Hayes and Cade Cunningham. Like, right? All of these teams have guys that multiple guys that play on the ball. Chris Paul and Devin Booker. I mean. Like there's some yep, exactly. examples that you can use here, and it's it, it's just trying to I guess nitpick. Um, if it's coming from Pistons, oh, it's definitely that. It's 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 a it goes along with the this is why we can't have nice things way of thinking when you try to ruin it by coming up with issues that aren't issues. Um, and look, Troy Weaver has been, you know, very complimentary of Cade Cunningham. This could be him trying to spice up trade interest and, you know, doing some different things behind the scenes. But by all means, like I'm very confident that Kate Cunningham is going to be the number one pick in the draft. By all means, I'm very confident that Kate Cunningham is going to be a Detroit Piston. Like, 
yeah, you can like Jalen Green. He can be a nice prospect, but Kate Cunningham's going to be a Detroit Piston if they're drafting one. It, it, there's not a there, – I just don't don't see Troy Weaver – like you said, I, I think that's the perfect way to go, to go about it and saying that it's like too much galaxy brain by drafting someone like Jalen Green or Evan Mobley over Kate Cunningham. Uh, so that's really my thoughts on it. Like I'm, I just think it's, yeah, you can like a player. doesn't mean that you're taking him. Exactly. Exactly. And, and we had talked all season about shooting guard was kind of the weak point. Jalen green does fit exactly what they needed, but you're in a position to take a generational talent kind of guy. Like you said, it should not be this difficult. And I really don't think it is this difficult. I think this is a matter of, national media big media drumming up interests getting clicks before the draft um it's after kate cunningham where things get a little bit interesting in terms of the order and teams potentially moving up or, or trading back but i believe brian windhorst reported he'd be very surprised if anybody in the top three traded back yeah i mean and like kate goes one Houston can Houston can go either way. Like they can go Evan Mobley or they can go Jalen Green. And I, I obviously you mentioned you like Jalen Green and you hope he's who the Cavs get at three. But if Houston took Jalen Green, the Cavs would still be well off with Evan Mobley. Yeah, even if they got a oh, yeah. text in and trading him, like and there would have been an opening at the guard spot. Like, yeah, that's unfortunate, but Evan Mobley's still a very nice prospect. Should be a good player. Like, that's someone to get excited about. I, I think if you got a top four pick, like you're you're pretty excited in this draft about the guys you're oh, getting. Oh, yeah. Obviously, if you're one, you're just a little bit more excited because you're getting the guy that just just really looks like he is the one. Yeah. Yeah. And Houston can go either way. It'd be interesting to see what they do. Um, Mobley and Green are both very, very good choices. The Cavs get third option, which is fine. They need good players. But this should not be as difficult as it's being made out to be. Um, Kate Cunningham should definitely go number one. Um, and there's really no bones about that. And speaking of bones, I can't stand when I'm eating meat, getting a bone, fish bone. Wing, I, I honestly, this is this is maybe a hot take. I don't, I don't necessarily like bone and wings. Hey, all I'm saying is, if I go to B Dubs, give me the boneless wings, no doubt about it. Every single time, I'm good with boneless wings. I can't do bone. They're a pain in the. They are. I feel. They are. I I don't want to have people that work when I'm trying to eat. Like it's just common sense. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, okay, fine. They're chicken nuggets, whatever. I don't, I don't care. Fine. I'm enjoying what I'm eating. I don't have something all I, I don't have sauce all over my fingers. Yep. Preach. Easy, easy transition to a side. That's Amen. a hands-on side. I mean, what are we doing here? I get that you want to have the bones and it looks more caveman like with a bone and something like that, but no bones um, for me. But it is important to have pretty good meat on that bone. That that that's that's the important part. And with our next sponsor, Moink, Moink meat is very delicious. You can get Moink meat right now. And right now, 
there's just four companies that control 80% of the meat industry, which as I've said on previous pods, it's pretty bad because big food crushes of the little guy. That's why we've only got four companies and there's lots of documentaries you can watch about all this, and, but you can help change that with moinkbox.com, the best bacon, the best steak, the best chicken, even boneless wings maybe, and the best salmon you'll eat. It doesn't come from a grocery store. You'll only find it on the family farm and it's caught by independent Alaskan fishermen. I presume that that's the salmon. That's why you need moinkbox.com. Join the Moink movement today and go to moinkbox.com. That's M-O-I-N-K box.com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. Listeners to this show get free bacon for a year with every box order. That is just a stunning, stunning offer. That's one year of the best bacon you'll ever taste but it's only for a limited time. Moinkbox.com, M-O-I-N-K box.com slash believe, B-L-E-A-B. That's moinkbox.com slash believe. Full year bacon, as I've said before, that is a pretty sweet deal. And no bones and bacon, don't worry about that. This is a dangerous sponsor because it makes me incredibly hungry in the middle of the show. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 real tough. It's real tough. The free and the prospect of free bacon makes me even hungrier. Man, might just have to go throw in an order real quick. Like if I stop talking in the middle of the show, I'm <laughs> looking at the boneless ribeye, maybe the chicken drumsticks cuz I, I don't know. I mean, there's wow. I Okay. You got I, options. I that's that salmon fillet, okay? All right, I'm, I'm in. And sent to you. Yeah, no, that's even better. Wow. Okay. Um, e- even better. Free bacon sent to you. That's that's pretty cool. Again, that's moinkbox.com/slash/leave. Sheesh. Oh goodness. All right. Good. Good. Good stuff. I might be throwing it in order here, Mitch. Shell. That's all right. We can we can keep going though. Well, I'll just vamp about our next topic, and that's Jeremy Grant being named to Team USA Basketball. Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, who we'll get to later, fought for him to make the team. This is this, this it's pretty cool. I mean, Jeremy Grant going from the Nuggets afterthought last offseason to not being worth the money to coming to Detroit, betting on himself, wants to play for Troy Weaver, wants to play for Dwayne Casey. Now he's on Team USA with two of the league's biggest stars trying to get him on the team that's 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 pretty fun i'm not the biggest olympics fan i do watch team usa basketball and i will again watch it this year but it's very cool to see jeremy grant go from not signing with the nuggets to being second and most improved player now he's on team usa with two stars you know fighting to get him on the roster yeah and and look like it's a great story and to spin it in a different direction, it's a great opportunity for a couple of things. One, obviously, the development, getting to go across the world to play with the best players in the world, practice with them, scrimmage with them, just be around them, soak in their knowledge for, you know, whatever the Olympics is, a month, a couple months, whatever, like, just such a great opportunity for 
development for all of those guys. But Jeremy Grant at 26, like he's still a, a really young player. Like there's there's still obviously another level to him. Like that's just a great, great opportunity uh, for him in, in regards to player development, player growth. The other side of that is it's a great opportunity to maybe get out there and build relationships and say, look, me, Kate Cunningham, you – NBA championship, right? I mean, you look at that list. Hey, Dame, I mean, maybe you and Cade might not be able to play together. Maybe the fit's not there because you guys both play on the <laughs> ball, but that would still be a nice team. I mean, just there's some great, great players to go there with, build a relationship with. Some of those guys going to be free agents, Bradley Beal. <clears throat> um, it's just, that's an opportunity as well. I always like to think about that. I think we spent maybe not so much recently, but because obviously we didn't have the Olympics last year. So it's been a little bit, but we went back, you know, four or five years ago, whatever it was. And we were like, ah, what relationships were built, you know, that made these free agent signings possible. And you look at the Olympic team and say, Oh, they played together. Oh, you see these pictures of them talking and laughing at, uh, at practice at the Olympics and things like that. And hey, it really is an opportunity for, for something like that. And, uh, just it's when you can send a representative there from your team, obviously Jeremy Grant going to talk about a lot of great things that he experienced in Detroit and it would definitely resonate with some of these other players. So I, I think it's great for him. I think it's great for the Pistons and I, you know, it'll be exciting to see what he's able to do. Hopefully he'll, he'll play a, a pretty significant role with them. I mean, obviously there's a lot of talent there, but looking at some of those guys that are going to be on the team, Chris Middleton, Devin Booker, a couple of those wings, like they're going to play a lot of basketball in a short amount of time. You know, maybe they aren't going to be able to play every game or, or, or play big minutes. Like maybe Jeremy Grant's not the best player on the team, but maybe just by the nature of the beast, he'll get a real opportunity to go out there, play and shine. Yep. It's tampering season, right? I mean, that's, that seems to be the best word for it. It's tampering season. Can I interest you in one gently used Kevin Love? Well, I was going to say, if there's one player you don't need to bring back to Detroit with you, it would be Kevin Love. I'm sorry, Mike, but it's just not. I tried. It's not going to happen. I'm sorry. I tried. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, you did take Andre Drummond, but I'm sorry. We just, we're on a different, we're just in a different point right now. We're, it's, Detroit's not ready for that again. We're, um, Detroit, no, I get we're it. trying to figure out if they actually want Kate Cunningham after all of this. So uh, that's where we're at right now. Yeah. I'll, I will believe it when I see it. No, no, that's fine. I am very happy for Kevin Love. He gets to go and play as well. I mean, Hey, maybe he could uh, coerce one of those superstars to get their team to trade for him. That would be ideal. Take yeah. No, 60 they, million owed. That's gotta be the goal for him. Like, I don't know. Like what, the, I mean, we've talked about, people have talked about Kevin Love to Portland for what, a half decade? I mean, it seems like he's yeah. been, like one of those names always thrown around when Portland's looking for someone. Dame's going to be there. The opportunity's there. Like maybe you, you, you get that to happen. And all of a sudden, Portland's saying, hey, we got to, we got to get Dame, Dame back on track here. He likes Kevin. Let's make a deal. And all of a sudden, you know, you get 
CJ McCollum. Zach Collins in a second. No, <laughs> I don't. I, I, I don't think so. It, it, it'd be like Zach Collins a second. Yeah, no, some, it would. Yeah, it would have salary filler. Sorry, but uh, CJ is from the area. Maybe he wants to come back. I, I again, it's just wishful thinking. I don't know if Kevin Love will make it through the whole season as a Cleveland Cavalier, but his contract's getting a little bit better now. That he's only got you know he's about to be an expiring next year. And no contract is unmovable anyway. We've we've seen that right time and time again. Oh, this guy's got the sure. worst contract in the league. Proceeds to be traded two weeks later. No contracts, yeah, ever unmovable. So right, you know, there's no concern in, in that regard. No, but we're very happy for Jeremy Grant. I can't wait to see him play with Team USA. That is a great, great opportunity. I mean, a lot of those, a lot of these guys. I mean, Carmelo Anthony maybe has most recently the most notable overseas career with the Olympics. And I mean, that's, that's something that you take with you. If you go to the hall of fame and that's on his, you know, his hall of fame ballot is all the gold medals and all the success playing in the Olympics. So very good for Jeremy Grant. Again, can't wait to, can't wait to watch him, him play. And with some, some of the league's best, which I think will be really, really fun to watch too. And we had mentioned Damian Lillard being one of those players fighting to get Grant on Team USA. And that's really the talk of the NBA right now is Damian Lillard. Not about him and Jeremy Grant, but about him maybe wanting out of Portland, which is a league-altering type of move. There's not a whole lot of like league-altering moves that, you know, that come around so often. Ben Simmons is not a league-altering move. Damian Lillard changing teams is a league-altering move. Yeah, and, and that's an interesting decision. Or it's an interesting – I think it was interesting how he went about it. I'll, I'll rephrase. Like, he just went to his buddy in the media, Chris Haynes, and said, hey, drop this piece for me, essentially. This was just Dame calling up Chris Haynes and saying this, this, and this and telling him to publish it. And, look, right. there's a lot going on in Portland right now. Dame is in an interesting position. But I also don't like this. Also, seems like a very like I don't know, like character style move. Like Dame trying to preserve himself with fans and the media, etc., by going to the media and saying, oh, "I want out now." Like, or I'm thinking about wanting out. Like, this puts the Blazers in an interesting spot. Like, obviously, they've made some changes, but is this where they really have to go out now and sell whatever? "Quote unquote farm that they have to to go get someone to put put with Dame and try to satisfy him. You know, to me, stuff started unravel rapidly after Terry Stotts was fired, and Dame said that he you know that he loves him. It's a coach he grew up with, and or, or rather, it's a coach that he developed with and had a lot of playoff runs with. And you saw his comments after Terry Stotts was let go." And they were very poignant about how much he cared about Stotts. And that means a lot. Um, the second really weird thing was Neil O'Shea going up and saying that none of this was his fault. And basically, it was the coach's fault that you know, the team underperformed and lost to a Denver Nuggets team without Jamal Murray. Uh, that's a very, very interesting position to take as the man who constructed this roster that was flawed. And, you know, maybe some things were Terry Stotts. I mean, sometimes you just hit a, a wall. That's as high as this coach can go. He can only elevate the team 
so much, then it's up to you to put the, you know, the proper players around him so that he, he can coach them up. Um, and that just never really happened. It hasn't happened for several years. I mean, I thought when they got Robert Covington, that that, that was, that was the move that they needed like three years ago. Honestly, when they were in the Western conference finals, that's the move they need. They needed Robert Covington. And it, so that, that was very weird to have Olshay go up and say that, you know, it's not his fault. The roster as constructed is good enough and should be better. And it was the coach not getting enough out of the players. Now we have the Chauncey Billups higher. They, I don't remember who had this report, but they said that when they did an inside scoop on Becky Hammond, and then they reached out to other of her colleagues in San Antonio, that they were underwhelmed by the background information that they found on her. And I, it just seems very weird. She always gets to like the, almost the, like the finish line about to get a job. And then somehow for some reason, like falls apart. I don't understand why. So the whole Chauncey Billups thing, which is a lot to unpack. And there's a lot of very, very stark opinions on the matter. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, that's, that's obviously a very important part. And, and Damian Lillard said that, you know, he doesn't condone that. Obviously nobody does. And, you know, all, all those things factor. And I don't know who can, like, he's got four years left on his contract. I don't know who could trade for him. I mean, I, the Sexers come out as the obvious one because they have, they, they have Ben Simmons. And that is a prospect that, I guess he's not really a prospect, but he's a young player that trumps most other young players that contending teams could be able to put in a trade. In a different direction, I think this is more so a, a situation where Portland has to go out and try to get a player. Like, I, I don't think this is Dame saying, like, really saying I'm out. I think this is him sending a warning shot and saying this is the last straw. Like, it's now or never. And I think that puts pressure on Portland to go out now this summer and, and make sure that they go get someone. Who that is? It's a good question because there really haven't been any other rumblings on high-level players that are on the market right now. And, you know, is it someone like DeMar DeRozan that works? Like, you go get him and try to keep McCollum. And I I just don't know how that works salary-wise, financially. I, I think that'd be a nightmare. But do you go all in? and try to go and get us another star another all-star level player and maybe it does cost McCollum I mean to be fair Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum have had plenty of chances together and it would not be unreasonable for their failure earlier in this postseason to be the final straw in that regard like they've had their opportunities they had Yusef Nurkic this year back healthy like Robert Covington Carmelo like they had a decent enough group they got the nuggets without Jamal Murray and they couldn't even get out of the first round and it really wasn't much of a fight so to be fair you could say Dame okay we're gonna go get you help but it's gonna be a legitimate shakeup and we're trading your 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 Robin and we're gonna go try to we're gonna try a different combination I, I don't know who it is like I said DeMar DeRozan's a name that comes to mind like if for some reason 
the Wizards were like, hey, yeah, we'll give up Beal now after everything that they've done to not give him up, then like sell the farm, sell the next farm, and go buy another farm just to sell it with the other two farms to go get him because Damon Beal would just be absolutely incredible. Um, but they're in a very, very tough situation right now, and what they do this summer will have all the impact in the world on where Damian Lillard continues to play basketball. Yeah, this is, this is the moment. And um, you're right. He has not come out and said he wants to be traded. And it does seem more like a warning shot than a, a trade request for sure. It is, it, it is a, a very, <laughs> a very, teeter-totter type of situation for Neil O'Shea as he tries to put together some package, probably with CJ McCollum because their assets are pretty limited. I don't, I mean, I, I guess I get why they traded Gary Trent, but they traded him for Norman Powell. That was like one of the most lateral moves that I've seen in a long time. It didn't really add anything. Yeah, they're going to have a heck of a time figuring out who to add because this is not the free agency class to add star level talent. It is an interesting class to maybe try to trade in a sign and trade of, you know, a free agent, a restricted free agent, as we've said previously, but that even that Portland doesn't have a lot of the players that young teams are going to want. I mean, Anthony Simons, maybe, you know, they already traded Gary Trent, who I, I really liked a lot. That Collins has been very, he's been very injured and that is going to impact his trade value too. It's like, I don't exactly know who they can go get. That's going to make an immediate impact that, you know, a guy that they can afford. So maybe Damian Lillard does want out. Maybe this is like a, like a James Harden situation where the, you know, they don't, they're not really able to make drastic moves in the off season. They come out a little flat and then we have an early season trade. We'll, we will see. Um, but get, not being able to get out of the first round was super problematic without Jamal Murray. But Neil O'Shea's press conference was also really bad too. And you know, we'll see what Chauncey Billups is able to provide too. I mean, he is the he he is getting his first head coaching opportunity, and um, don't know exactly how much input Dame had in wanting to hire him. Um, so I guess uh, I guess. We will see on that. That is that's the most definitely the most intriguing part of the NBA right now. But we do have two playoff series happening. And that's the Clippers and the Suns. I believe that game is coming up tonight, potentially the last game of the season for the Los Angeles Clippers. They will not have Kawhi Leonard again. And uh, then the Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks went out and managed a win in Atlanta. Uh, Aaron, what do you think about the two series as they're shaping up right now man was that a brutal brutal last game and obviously when this podcast comes out it'll there'll have been another game played but the game from well let's see today's monday bucks played last night so the six so the suns and clippers game on saturday just a brutal game neither team could hit a shot down the stretch just a brutal showing phoenix obviously eventually pulls it out those two teams look like they're both gasping for air. Obviously, the Clippers are playing without Kawhi Leonard. He's out for game five, which is going on the same night that we're recording this. 
And it really just doesn't look like the Clippers have enough in the tank. But in the same regards, Phoenix is not playing all that great right now. Devin Booker's had a couple of games of struggling. Chris Paul is hit or miss at times. And DeAndre Ayton's been great. But outside of that, they need more than getting production from campaign and cam johnson uh like 84 points or whatever they had like that's just not going to be good enough against milwaukee or atlanta they obviously have played a lot of basketball every team has but i i think it would be really good for for phoenix if they could get out of this series and then hopefully for them atlanta at least forces another game or two to give phoenix a couple days to just rest up because they look really beat Clippers a little more beat and they're really banged up. No Zubac Zubac for them uh, in this game again tonight, which will already be played by the time you're hearing this, but it looks like they're down for the count. Essentially this one should be wrapped up by the time this podcast comes out on the flip side. Milwaukee has looked pretty dang good. And I don't know what's going on with true holiday. Lost me my parlay because he couldn't hit a three-pointer or score. Oh, no. Uh, Not too happy about that. And he's had a couple really ugly shooting performances. But besides the point, they do look really good. Giannis is obviously Giannis. Chris Middleton. Like, I think once Chris Middleton hits a couple shots, something just clicks for him. And it's just he's on the rest of the way through. Like, he is the most – well, maybe not the most, but he is one of those gets hot after making a couple shots, and he just doesn't ever cool off. I mean, what he can do when he gets hot is unreal. I mean, it's it's top tier when he gets in that type of situation. And, you know, they're getting performances from other guys. You know, someone like Bobby Portis stepping up and, and, and providing them nice minutes off the bench, a guy that – didn't play a ton against Brooklyn, but coming up in this series and making some nice plays. And obviously Atlanta doesn't have a couple of guys that maybe they would be playing DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish. Bogdan Bogdanovich doesn't really seem to be himself after suffering his leg injury. Uh, and then Trey just got banged up in the last game. He's questionable for their next game. So it looks like it's going to end up being Milwaukee and Phoenix. Both those teams could use some time off. I don't know if either of them are going to get it the way that these two series appear to both be wrapping up. I think that the biggest takeaway, you know, being a podcaster and, you know, working a lot with the Detroit Pistons and being a Cavs fan primarily, to me, I really don't care who wins the championship. Phoenix or Milwaukee's good with me. I like I like both of those. For some reason, people just can't stand the Bucks. I don't I don't I guess I don't get it. It's good for small market teams to go out and win a championship and to retain their star. Um, that's a good thing for the league, I think. And Phoenix has a lot of very likable players as well. I really like both those teams. But as as a Detroit Pistons writer, podcaster, and as a Cleveland Cavaliers fan. You got to look at the Milwaukee, or I'm sorry, at the Atlanta Hawks and think, wow, okay, so they went from horrible to the Eastern Conference Finals. And yes, they've had help. The Knicks, 
were not nearly as prepared for the playoffs as I think a lot of people believed that they would be. Yes, they dealt with some banged-up Joel Embiid. They dealt with freakishly frightened Ben Simmons. But you know what? You play the team that's in front of you. You can't, can't chalk everything up to good luck. You know, there are, there are skilled players on that team. The Atlanta Hawks have a star in Trey Young. They've surrounded him with good veterans, good quality veterans who are playing really well and I don't think are going to get the credit that they deserve for this team's run. It's going to be Trey Young being the villain and then being the villain and then being the villain and then taking on the Sixers and, you know, doing, doing his thing and willing them to a win. But they surrounded some good young players like DeAndre Hunter, Onyeka Okongwu, who's, who's playing really well, and obviously Trey Young. And Kevin Herter is very good too. They surrounded them with vets. They, they went and got Lou Williams for basically nothing. They went and got Daniel Gallinari. They traded for Clint Capella last year. I mean, they put good players around their young guys. And now look where they're at. And Solomon Hill absolutely has been quality. And I, that's kind of what they try to do with Rajon Rondo too. But they, you know, they have a guy who means a lot more than Lou Williams. That's the kind of trajectory. If you're looking at the Pistons' next playoff team, next huge jump, they get Kate Cunningham. They have Killian Hayes. You know, maybe they get, maybe they get Cade. Who knows? Maybe they'll just go off the board and take uh, Evan Mobley one because they just get cold feet, according to the Athletic. Th- th- this is the team that has a similar Hawks-like trajectory in that you have a bunch of high picks. You have a quality coach in Dwayne Casey. The Hawks have Nate McMillan, who a lot of guys like and has coached his behind off. And then you surround them with vets, and that's the next step for the Pistons. You have these young guys that mesh well. Then you surround them with quality NBA talent, and now all of a sudden the Pistons are in the Eastern Conference Finals. It sure is the blueprint. It sure is the blueprint. And I think this is a nice way to tie this show up nicely in a bow. And the Hawks got their young star. Had some guys on the roster, made a lot of made a lot of moves to build around him. Pistons have a chance to go get their star. They have the complimentary pieces ready to go around him in Kate Cunningham. That the Pistons could very, very much do well copying the way that the Atlanta Hawks built their team and surrounded their star with good pieces around him him making it easier for him to do his thing Kate Cunningham to the Detroit Pistons you have to end the show saying it that way yep that is the blueprint I think that's a pretty easy to understand blueprint to be quite honest um, and the Pistons are doing a great job uh, at, at moving along and getting the number one pick in the draft as you guys alluded to you know last week that's like the icing on the cake for the the excellent tank job that Detroit did, but the blueprint is set. And, and there's a lot of teams kind of in that same mold. The Cavs are in that same mold too. You get a lot of young picks, you surround them with quality NBA veterans, and then you see what happens. And with the Hawks, they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. So hopefully in a few years, we can look back as the Pistons are gearing up for game three of the Eastern Conference Finals. We could look back at this pod and be like, yep, that's exactly how it happened. That's exactly how it freaking happened. Aaron, anything else for the good of the order here as we wrap up another edition of the pod? I just want to make sure we get in a couple of mentions now that you're back this week. Very, very excited for Summer League. It's going to be great. 
Uh, Mitch McGarry just had to throw the name out there <laughs> to stay, you know, on our streak of bringing him up on the podcast. Try, I'll try to think of a more uh, creative way to get him in on the show next week. But what if we get him on the pod? Would you like explode, dude? I mean, we. we what is he doing? I mean, he's. We know what he's doing right now. That's why he's not. <laughs> we we have guesses. Yeah. <laughs> Sheesh, that all right. Hey, I guess if you can make it happen, we'll 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 chop it up with them for a half hour, 45 sure. minutes. But sounds great. We just had to get that name in. Hey, I'll and I'll let you wrap up the show now. I just had to get those those couple things in that we we like to mention. Did you want to talk about um who was on the pod last week? I think we should well well everyone everyone knows Jasper was great. I mean Oh yeah. I enjoyed it and you know, hey, we'd like to have him back on the show sometime. I think that's we'll, we'll wrap it there. Okay, a little bit of a tease as we head into another. It's really hot here. Another hot week in the summer, getting ever closer to the NBA draft, where the Pistons will take somebody. I mean, they have to take somebody. They'll take somebody. Hopefully, that somebody is Kate Cunningham. But we'll see. Uh, we have plenty more draft coverage leading up to the big day. The Pistons on the clock right now as we speak, uh, and we can't wait. We can't wait until the, uh, you know, the commissioner comes up and we could uh, listen to that name. And I really, we really hope it's Kate Cunningham. But we have a lot to cover in the meantime. Plenty of combine talk. Uh, plenty of potential trades coming up. I, I think we're going to see another trade before the uh, draft. You know, similar Kemba Walker type vein. Um, to move some bad salary around. I think we'll see at least one more trade and uh, yeah, we are going to go from there. Um, so we're very much looking forward to it. We can't wait for you to all be there with us as well. And we hope you'll join us next time on the Palace of Pistons podcast for my co-host. I am Mike Angolano for Aaron Johnson. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you all next time. Pistons fans. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.